the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. We've been in a series on Colossians, uh, expository series, just going through line by line of the book of Colossians. And tonight we're, we'll be in Colossians 3, verses 12 through 17. That's where we ended last week, in Colossians 3, 11, I think it was. This will be the fourth message, and we're going to call it Discovery. Discovery. <coughs> Colossians 3, 12 says, says, Since God chose you to be the holy people He loves, you must clothe yourself with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowances for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourself with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony and let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your heart for as members of one body you're called to live in peace and always be thankful let the message about Christ and all its richness fill your lives teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom that he gives sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts, and whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through Him to God the Father. It's a beautiful passage of Scripture. As we've seen, the whole book of Colossians is beautiful. And as I was discussing with Lisa here, the, the whole Bible is pretty, pretty awesome. But some parts are particularly beautiful. This is a particularly beautiful passage. What I see is a portrait of God's love and kind of the, the peace that He wants to, for us to live in. If you do these things, you will find grace. You will find mercy. And you will, you will, you'll, goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. How about that? If you clothe yourself with such things as these tender-hearted mercies and the love of God and, and all these things, you will live the life, that, that abundant life that Jesus came to provide for you. It's not something that you have to earn and work it out. and You, know, you, gotta, you only get it after you retire and you cash in your 401k or you know, all the plans that we have that's going to make us happy. No, eternal life is now. The kingdom of God is within you now. Jesus is here now. You're saved now. You, you know, it'll be better when we get to heaven, but it can be awful good down here if you'll live according to these scriptures. Anybody remember that song that Willie Nelson, I think it was Willie Nelson sang? <clears throat> says, To all the girls I've loved before. 
<laughs> you remember that? <laughs> Traveled in and out my door. I'm glad you came along and I dedicate this song to all the girls I've loved before. I wonder how many of them girls Willie really loved. You're guessing too? You're not guessing. Well, when I think about that, I used to sing that song, and I before I got married, I was eight, I was 28 years old before I got married, so I had several relationships leading up to that. I wasn't saved, you know, and I had girls that I would say I've loved before, you know, before I met Angie. But when I look back, I didn't really love them. I mean, I did in my own earthly kind of way, as much as I knew how. But it did. It didn't resemble a lot like God's agape kind of love. You know, there's. I think there's five different kinds of love that the Bible expresses. You know, you'll have to search that out for yourself. Different words that is translated love in the Bible: phileos, which is brotherly love; agape, which is a God kind of love. Or, uh, there's a one for all the different types of love. I didn't go into it, but um, I I guess I. I would love them. You know, I, I felt loving feelings towards them, but it didn't stop me from saying, well, I got to move on, you know, when when they stopped making me happy. Right? <laughs> when the, the newness wore off, when all of a sudden somebody better came along, uh, you know, the different reasons we don't get married to somebody and stay, we don't commit to somebody, we don't put a ring on their finger, whatever. It's... Uh, I didn't know how to love. And then, of course, when I, I got saved, then it says the Bible, the Bible says the love of God is shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost. And now all of a sudden, you have this newfound love that you didn't never operate in before. And uh, I even married Angie before I got saved. So there was a good chance that, I, you know, our, our, in fact, we came to church because we were having marital difficulties. Because I didn't know how to love. Had no idea, no clue. That love wasn't just about giving me fluttery feelings. Wasn't about me make everybody making me happy. And in, in the world's form of love is, I'll love you, or at least say I do, until you stop making me happy, then I, I'll move on and I won't love you anymore. And love is like a give and take kind of thing. So if I was to sing that song to all the girls I thought I loved before. But see, love is an action verb. True love, God's kind of love, puts uh, wheels on the love, puts wings on the love. It, it takes steps to, to, to demonstrate that it's not about what I can get from you, what I can suck out of you, what I can um, manipulate and get my way and use you like a toy. But no, it's about what I can do for you. There's a whole shift about the thinking. It's not what I can get out of this. It's what I can give into this. And so when you begin to give into a relationship, and if they know Christ, they begin to give into a relationship, it really becomes a beautiful thing. And, and there's a trust that's built there. And there's a, a, a th when, especially when you say, I do before God. You know, I'm not, I'm not in a marriage ceremony right now or anything but it's the kind of thing it's the stuff that love does 
It, it cares about somebody else. Love is a decision, not a fluttery feeling, right? I don't know what that fluttery feeling is, but we all call it love. You know, the Hollywood calls it love. It's it's a chemical imbalance that happens in your your brain when you're infatuated with somebody early on, you know. But I can attest that I've been through that a few times. And once that wears off, if you don't have real love, then you're not going to stay with that person. Um, that Those chemicals eventually come back down to normal levels. And you're not, you, don't, you won't experience that in love feeling. You'll just either love them or you won't. Look, love is a decision. Love, he says, I decide to love you. That's what God did for us. Thank goodness. What if God just used us and says, okay, as long as you're coming to church, or as long as you're doing for me, you know, as long as you're singing on the choir or whatever, I'll, I'll love you. But if you mess up, I'll get somebody else, you know. Boy, we'd have been gone a long time ago, wouldn't we? But God's love is faithful. Do you worry about God's love leaving? You don't have to, do you? Because if you've walked with him in a given period of time, you know he's not going to leave you. He'll, he said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. And he's proven it time and time again when there was issues that you, of unfaithfulness. It's never been on his part. It's always been on our part. But then he always takes us back. So that's, we see a picture of love. So the first, the first week of our message in Colossians, we saw in Colossians 1, we looked at the whole chapter that God is supreme. He created everything. He made everything. Uh, by Him we live and move and have our being. He, he is God. Um, the second week, we looked at Colossians 2, and we said that not only is He supreme, but He's enough. He's all that we need. There's, there's nothing outside of Jesus that we have to have. We don't have to go to another source to get something that we need. And by the way, if you're looking for love right now, don't look at your spouse. Look to Jesus primarily, right? If you're, you're, you're getting Jesus' love, then you'll have the love to love your spouse with. It's really, it's a, it's, he's the source of love. Uh, what is it? First John says God is love. So God is love. And you want to learn to walk in love? You want to love the unlovely? You want to love your brother? You want to... To, to be in God's image. Well, you can't do that without love. First John also says, how can you love your brother? I mean, how can you not love your brother and say you love God? You, you can't do it. Um, when you love God, you, you got to, you're walking in that love. You have that. So he's supreme and he's enough. And then last week we talked about focus. We, the first 11 chapters or 11 verses of chapter three we see that if we focus on Jesus, we focus on his supremacy, we focus on uh, his being enough, then we'll begin to uh, do what we're going to do tonight. We begin to see that we will begin to discover a discovery process about who we are. Isn't that what our banner says back there? Basically, we use that banner all the time, but it's, it's, it's so true. You know Jesus you're going to begin to find freedom, discover purpose, and then you can't help but make a difference with your life. And that's what happens. The more we know Jesus, the more we find out about who we are. Jesus asked his disciples one time when they were walking along the road, he said, 
who do people say that I am? And some of the disciples spoke up and they said, well, some say you're John the Baptist. And I've heard other people say Elijah. And Jesus said, but who do you say that I am? And Peter, you know, he, loudmouth Peter, he, he steps in and he always got his say. He said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, Peter, I didn't know you knew how to say something right. <laughs> but he, he said, Peter, flesh and blood did not reveal that to you, but my father, which is in heaven, I think you're starting to get it, Peter. And he but he, he called him, he, he said, I'm going to change your name from Simon. He was called Simon up until that point. He said, I'm going to change your name to Peter, which means a rock. He said, and upon this rock, I will build my church. What is the rock? But what was he telling? He's, he's saying, he, Peter, I'm, I'm, your name means little rock. And he says, upon this rock, I'm going to build my church. Is he talking about Peter? He's going to build the church on Peter? That's what the, I believe that's what the Catholics believe. They believe that, that the line of popes come down from Peter and that, and that Peter is the foundation of the church. If I'm not mistaken, don't quote me on that. But no, Jesus doesn't build the church based on a man. But it was on the revelation knowledge of who he is. He, he says, Peter... You're a rock. And the rock on which I'm going to build my church is what you just said, that I am the Christ, the Son of a living God. That is the foundation. That is the rock on which we stand. That's the rock on which we, we must stand. Is the revelation knowledge of who Jesus is. And when He found out, when He discovered, I, the Father gave it to Him, or wherever ever, ever you get your information, and you get, you better get it from the Holy Spirit and from the Father. You better be careful. If, if you got, if you're searching up Jesus on Google, look out. You know, you might be worshiping the wrong one. But if you begin to get a revelation in your spirit from God about who Jesus is, look out. He may change your name. He may not change your name, but He's definitely going to begin to change your understanding about who you are. It's impossible to get to know Jesus better without a, get a better understanding of who you are in turn. Because when you see Him high and lifted up, you begin to understand, wow, what does that mean in my life? Jesus, if He is supreme, if He is all that we need, when we see Him in His true form, like when you study the book of Colossians, man, you begin to understand, hey, well, I'm His child. If He loves like that, then He loves me like that. It can't help but change your understanding of who you are. And it is a discovery process. The more you research Jesus, the more you understand about yourself. Your calling, why you're here, the meaning of life. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? So who do you say Jesus is? Once we realize who Jesus is, He reveals who we are. Our view of ourselves changes with our view of Jesus. Colossians helps us understand Jesus so that we can understand who we were created to be. Do you see what this book is doing? It starts off telling us about Jesus. But then it begins to tell us in light of that, 
why don't you behave like this? Because this is who you really are. Do you remember last week we read Colossians 3.3, which says, for you died to this life and your real life is hidden with Christ in God? Remember last week? You have a real life that you're yet to discover. We're born down here and we think we know everything. We don't know nothing. We're searching like, what did Jesus tell the Pharisees? He said, you're like the blind leading the blind. Both of you are going to fall in a ditch. We're chasing money. We're chasing things. All this stuff that don't matter. We have no clue. But our real life, say real life. What if you have a real life that you know very little about? Well, it says right there in the Bible that you have a real life, but it's hidden. It's hidden in Christ with God. When you discover Christ, you discover yourself. Your real life is hidden. And you find yourself when you find Jesus. So back to our text, Colossians 3.12. It says, since God chose you to be the holy people he loves. Well, I thought I chose Jesus. Somebody told me about him and I said, I selected Jesus. No, <laughs> Lieutenant Dan asked Forrest Gump. He said, Gump, you found Jesus yet? Forrest says, I didn't know I was supposed to be looking for him. <laughs> And that's got some truth in it. We, we weren't looking for him. We didn't discover him. He wasn't the one lost. We are. He found us. And this verse says God chose us. Not the other way around. We're the lost ones. First John 4.19 says we love him because he first loved us. Man, you can't take credit for anything with God. That's why humility is such a big thing. I mean, if you knew how prideful I was when I came to Christ, even after Christ, you know, I, was, I thought I was going to take the Christian world by a storm. <laughs> I was like the king of humble. You know, have you heard me say that? I was the best humble person you've ever seen. I was the best at everything, you know. But my whole Christianity, my whole Christian walk has been me, Bumping my head one, to, one step after the next. You know, a, a process of humility. If you want to be used by Christ, you just got to give Him all the glory. He's not going to share. The Bible says, I will not share my glory with another man, God said. He'll not share His glory with you. If you're doing it to get glory, you're doing it to get attention. If you're doing it for those things, you're doing it for the wrong reason. You would just save yourself. I've been saved a little over 20 years, 21 years maybe. You'd save yourself 21 years of struggling just by going ahead and humbling yourself and saying, look, it was Him who found me. It says no man can come to the Father unless he be drawn. It was me, Him that drew me. It was Him that saved me. I can't save myself. It's not of works lest any man should boast. I'm saved by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. All I did was say, yes, Lord. 
And that's all you have to say in your life. Because all the promises of God are yes when you say amen. They're yes and amen. And so we put such pressure on ourselves to perform, to compare, and to do all these things like we're trying to outdo each other. Why don't, my goodness, why don't somebody just humble themselves and say, we're all in this together. Why don't we pull together? You can even take the credit. I don't care. Because I'm just here to serve an audience of one. I'm just here to please Jesus. That's really my main concern. Where was I at before I interrupted myself? Our real life, when it's uncovered, it's hidden now, but when you discover Jesus, it begins to be uncovered. And the more you pursue Him, the more you, dis- you discover who you are in Christ. It's totally different than who we were before Christ. For example, if you continue on in Colossians 3.12, He says you must clothe yourself with tender-hearted mercy. I had none of that before. Kindness. What was that? <laughs> Humility. I already discussed that. Gentleness and patience. Did you have any of these before Jesus? Still developing them, right? Me too. Me too. We're all in some developmental stage of these things. But these things do not come really without Christ. But you've got to clothe yourself in them. You've got to put them on. Put on Christ, the Bible says. And and Christ doesn't fit over your old man. You put him in the grave. And you walk in the spirit so that he can put on these new clothes. You can put on Christ. Your, your life is hidden with God in Christ. When you live in Christ, then you have the power of Christ. If you want God's power in your life, you've got to put on Christ. Tender-hearted mercy. Kindness, humility, gentleness, patience with other people and with yourself. Love is a decision, and you've got to decide to put these things on. These garments don't fit over the old you. I've never felt the power of God like that time I went to Bill Street and I just simply prayed on the way there because we was going to minister and talk to people on the street. I just prayed, God, give me your eyes tonight. To see people. And that was my simple prayer. And I got there. And I saw these homeless people. We were feeding them soup and stuff. And I just started talking to people. And I began to see them as people. Not homeless people. You understand? I began to see them as maybe people who had lost their way. and and But, but I, I saw them with eyes of empathy. And I had tender hearted. God gave me a. With the eyes come a tender heart. And mercy. And I'm telling you, I laid hands on the sick and they recovered that night. I touched I touched this one guy and I hugged this other guy and and he followed me around the rest of the night. And I don't I was like, this is weird, this guy's following me. And he was walking behind me saying, This guy touched me, this guy touched me. I didn't I thought he was mocking me. But he just experienced the love of God through somebody who's, who put on Christ that night. And I've never felt power in my life apart from the love of God. If I'm praying for somebody 
And I'm wanting them to get healed so they can see that I'm, I'm a man of faith and my prayers get answered. I don't think you got, we don't have enough power to blow out a candle. But if you love people, and you're seeing, and you, you're putting on Christ, and you're seeing them. And see, faith worketh by love. And if you don't have faith, I mean, if you're trying to have faith without love, it just don't work. It, it just don't work. The real you develops eyes of empathy. Empathy, not sympathy, but empathy is when you see someone and you put yourself in their shoes and you try to have mercy on them because you could see yourself there. If you would have went through what they went through as a young child or you're, you're in a, a drugstore line or at Walmart or something and somebody's getting on your nerves and they're acting all rude and, and you just want to tell them what's up. You say, God, help me see what's the problem here. And you don't know that they're about to lose their wife or, or their husband or something and, and or their kids or their own drugs and they're just at their wits end and they're just mad. And, and Ask God to help you be clothed with Him and, and put on these eyes to see people and have this heart of empathy. And watch God use you in a way that you've never seen. Be concerned for someone else's plight besides our own. Have you ever, you know, just been, get out of my way. You go to a place where a lot of people are and everybody's just in your way. And they're just sacks of bone with skin on the outside, you know. You got no use for them. Just get out of my way. I got my thing to do. And God is trying to get us to slow down. Life is not about the task. Life is about the people and the relationships along the way and the love that you can show along the way. So, I mean, people like Miss Brenda, you know, she, she takes time. She sees people. She sees people interested in Jesus. And she, she goes, picks them up, brings them to church, takes them to get their medicine. When we have our next step program here, if she sees somebody that's interested in going she ministers to us. I'll go with you. I mean, she's got things she could be doing for that hour of the day. She's been through all our classes about five times now. I mean, I think she could teach them better than I can now. But she brings and she just sits with people because she knows that makes them feel comfortable. Now, isn't that caring about somebody else more than you're caring about yourself? Isn't that just a demonstration of love? And I think about Brother Tom and many of you. Brother Tom took me under his wings when I was a young Christian. Taught me how to minister. Called me pastor years before I was a pastor. And built the image in myself. He could see it. Something I couldn't see. And as I discovered Christ, I discovered who I was. And, and I see him now, you know, working with Big Joe. Teaching him how to play golf. Taking him to the, to the jailhouse like he did me. And teaching him how to minister and stuff. Investing in someone's life. You know, uh, we went to play golf this Saturday, uh, four of us, and Brother Tom was with Big Joe just teaching him, you know, he ain't played golf much. Just He could have been worried about his game. You know, most time I'm playing, I'm like, you know, dang it, I ain't no good. I'm complaining about myself, you know. I could have hit that stronger. I'm thinking about the task. But, but Tom, you know, 
he ain't thinking about his game. He just gets up there and whacks it and then goes to talk to Joe. You know, Joe, if you did this, he, he cares more about somebody else's game than he cares about his own. And, uh, you know, he paid for me and your golf, didn't he? Just out of the kindness of his heart. And then after uh, service yesterday or Sunday, he said, give me your golf club. I want to, I noticed that you had a bad grip on it. I want to put a new grip on it for you. I know you probably don't get to Midtown much, but I go by there. When I came in tonight, my, my golf club was sitting there with a new grip on it. He won't take money for, to, to pay for it. And there's so much, many acts of love going on in this church. I mean, I could, I could go to all that Heather and Cody do for the children and, and the service behind the scene. I, any of you, John, Chad, Paul, painted these walls and stuff for free. Just trying to serve the Lord. All these things going, Donna's just like Brenda. <clears throat> in fact, I called her Brenda the other day in Sunday service. James 2 verse 15 says, Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing, and you say, Goodbye, have a good day, stay warm and eat well. Well, you sounded good. But then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? I mean, you sound like a good person. <laughs> Congratulations. You sound like you care. The real you that's hidden with Christ should be looking for opportunities to help someone in need. The new humble you will do it even when it costs you. And it's always going to cost you. It's going to cost you something. Love meets someone else's needs at the expense of their own. John 15, 12, Jesus said, This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no man than this. Then he lay down his life for his friends. Well, now you've gone too far, Pastor. I'm not... I'm not dying for nobody. I don't know. You know, I got too much to live for. Well, in a grander sense of the word uh, phrase, laying down your life, does it have to be that, that is he, does he mean necessarily giving up all of your life? Or could, could you lay down some of your life every now and then? <laughs> or a piece of your life? What does it mean to lay down your life? What does your life consist of? For example, um, taking someone to get their prescriptions or something an elderly person or someone who doesn't have a vehicle, and you take them to get their prescriptions. Well, what have you just given? You've given of your life. You laid down your life for a period of time. Greater love is the, no man than this. Then he laid down his life for his friends. You laid down some time to go help somebody get their prescription. Well, you got there and they said $10.12 and they're trying to give you their credit card and you say, no, I got it. And you pay for it because you know they're on a fixed income or something. What have you done? You just gave up your life. Those resources were part of your life. What you worked for. You just laid down your life for your friends. If you're like me, I took my mama to get uh, her prescription the other day and my mama's a handful My mama just turned 75 years old today. Yeah, she's 75 years old today. There's turtles don't live that long, you know. 
There's some redwoods that ain't that old. I mean, she's 75. <laughs> but, but she's 75 years of trouble, boy. I mean, she's something else. I took her to get her medicine the other day, and she's pointing, turn there. No, don't turn there. Turn that way. Go If you'll go around that way, she like I've never driven a car before. And we got her medicine, and you know what I gave you know what part of my life I gave her? Patience. I gave her some patience and some gentleness when I wanted to give her something else. <clears throat> Tina Turner sang a song, What's love got to do? Well, love's got a lot to do, I'm telling you. There's a lot of things that you can do. If you have eyes that are open to the plight of someone else's misery. Verse 13 says, make allowance for each other's faults. Not everybody's perfect like you are. I'm a recovering perfectionist now. Ain't nobody perfect like me. Make allowances for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. It don't take much to offend some of us. They, a lot of people are offended by people who don't even know they offended you. But I'm, I think this is, assumes that somebody actually has offended you. Maybe they went out of their way to offend you, but it says forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Love will cost you. Forgiving is giving up what is owed to you. If they, if they offended you, they owe you apology, or they did something to you, they owe this to you, but you're giving that up. You say, well, I'm going to just forgive them. I'm going to forgive the debt. I'm going to forgive the offense. I'm going to forgive that. And paying someone else's debt yourself at your own expense is exactly what Jesus did on the cross. And you're never more like Jesus when you're willing to pay someone else's debt for him. At your own expense. It cost him his life to pay our debt. He was willing to lay down literally his whole life. And it showed us the greatest love of all. 1 John 4.10 says this is real love. Aren't you ready for some real love? Everybody wants to receive real love, but I'm talking about are you ready to give some real love? That's different. This is real love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Do you want to know what real love looks like? You see someone who had never sinned become sin for us so that He could forgive you. He suffered the wrath of God to forgive you. And we won't even forgive anybody without the wrath of God. Love asks no more of you than what it provided for you. Love's not asking you something that it didn't already provide you. Love is asking you to take what the love that you have received and give to someone else. 
at least a measure of it, you know. Work on it. Verse 14, above all, clothe yourself with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. You know, there's, there's disharmony in the world. There's a screeching noise of darkness, howling of the demons. There's discord. People can't get along. There's no harmony, no peace. And so many people, it, it, it's like fingernails on a chalkboard in their life. <laughs> what they feel like on the inside. And so many people are longing for peace. Lord, give me some peace in the midst of this crooked and perverse generation. But they don't realize you're acting like that crooked and perverse generation when you return evil for evil and you become part of the darkness and you partake of the darkness and you're not salt of the earth. You're not the, the light of the world. You're not the love that Jesus created you to be. You want harmony? It says, clothe yourself with love which binds us all together in perfect harmony. When you discover Christ, you find your life hidden with Him. You find that He's love, and you find that you're supposed to be love. And then you're in harmony as part of God's creation. The way He made it in the beginning, where there is no sick feeling in there. There is no regret. There is no stain of sin and guilt and all these things that the, the world has caused in our life. Verse 15 says, let the peace that comes from God rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace. Now he's talking about the church. Because when you were saved, you were placed into the body of Christ. And as members of one body, you're called to live in peace. My goodness, if we can't get peace right in the church, what hope for there is, is the world? No wonder the world don't want to come to church. When all we're going to do is devour one another in the church. And nobody's seeing each other through eyes of love. Nobody's cutting anybody any slack. Everybody's judging and pointing and wondering when you're going to get it right. And then it says, always be thankful. That seemed like it would be the easiest thing to do. All you got to do is sit down and recount all the blessings in your life. If you started naming the, the things that you should be thankful for, if you started counting your blessings right now, you could stay up for four solid weeks and still be going strong at the, at the end. I do that sometimes. I thank God for that warm water coming through my shower head. I thank God I indoor to plumbing and air conditioning and Praise God that I don't have a kidney stone. <laughs> you know, things that I 
that could be happening that ain't happening. You know, just praise God. You just stir yourselves up and always be thankful. Thankfulness is the hallmark of a Christian. You can, you can always spot a Christian by their thankfulness. The cross gives us an eternal cause to be thankful. If you've got nothing else that you can think of right now, just know that God died on that cross for you. That you're not going to hell. That He forgave you when you seemed unforgivable. Without a thankful heart, you'll never display God's love. Just the two don't go hand in hand. When you're unthankful for your situation, you didn't found yourself murmuring and complaining, you're just going to stay out there in the desert. You're not going into the promised land. You're not going to love anybody else. If you didn't got over in an area of complaining and picking out everybody's faults and being critical about everything, you're, you're just not going to enter the promised land. God sworn His wrath. They will not enter into the promised land. But those who were thankful, like Caleb and Joshua, said, we're well able. God said we can take this land. Let's go take it. Come on, guys. What are y'all sitting around grumbling and complaining about? We got things to do for God. What if we all just bonded together? And there's nothing that could stop us. If God be for us, who can be against us? And so, cultivate a thankful heart and you'll never dread loving other people. When, when love requires something of you, no big deal. You'll feel privileged to be able to give it with a thankful heart. Thankfulness is a hallmark of a Christian. Don't, don't let somebody have to ask you, are you a Christian? Because all you do is complain, man. No. You sure you're a Christian? What church you go to? Don't tell them passion. <laughs> I ain't going to tell you where to tell them, but don't tell them here. All right, we're about to close. Let this message about Christ and all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each, each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. You can tell a Christian that they're walking around whistling. they saying hallelujah. they sing. We used to do that when I was first, I was first saved. And, and I do it sometimes here by myself. We'll, we'll cut the lights down low, get on the piano or something. Back then I didn't know but a few chords. And uh, me and my buddy, we'd get them to start singing. And we'd sing out of our heart, making melody to the Lord. We just sing whatever came, just loving on God. And when, when we ran out of things, Brother Richard had been with us before, ain't it right? Brother Richard would be there. He'd be playing the drums, and I'd be playing a big grand piano, you know. And we'd be singing, making melody in our hearts to the Lord. We'd run out of things to say. We didn't about express ourselves out. We'd get out the, the Bible. I remember going to get the Bible and open it up to the Psalms and just start singing the Psalms. Because that's what the Psalms are, is songs that David or, or the psalmist wrote. And that's, they would play the harp and sing them back in those days. And you make melody in your heart to the Lord. That's, that's worship, man. You sing God's words back to Him. You know, it's awesome. 
So, whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus. Oh, what an honor it is to be a representative of the Lord Jesus. Giving thanks through Him to God the Father. So let me recap. Had a little another story, but we're out of time. Jesus is supreme and enough. And when we focus, that was the third message, focus. When we focus on Him, we discover ourselves. That's tonight's discovery. God is love. We should be too. Love chose us, and we get to choose Him back. Love is a decision to live this new life that He has planned for us. It requires a dying to our old self. Love sees, is concerned, and willingly, willingly lays down the essential elements of our life for others, the time, our resources, our energy. But yet, love only asks of us what it has already demonstrated to us. In this new life of love, we become one with Christ and begin to harmonize with the peace that God has provided for our souls. Love is not a sacrifice to dread. It is an opportunity for a thankful heart to express itself. The highest call of a child of God is to live in love and to be thankful. So, Sing psalms and hymns until you come out of that grumpy zone. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.